0: This is Orson Welles, speaking from London. The Black Museum. Here in the grim stone structure on the Thames, which houses Scotland Yard, is a warehouse of homicides. A warehouse where a parchment lampshade, an automobile tire, a canvas tarpaulin, an umbrella, all... Are touched by murder. Now here's a dictionary. It's a familiar object. French into English, English into French. Every high school student knows what these books are like. Word here, phrase there. Merci, thank you, thank you, merci. And of course, a use common to most young men in countries not their own.
1: Je t'aime. Je t'aime.
2: <laughs> oh, you sound so. Uh... Oh, so passionate, you. What does that mean? Uh, in the little book. Uh, one moment. Uh, je
1: t'aime. I mean, I love you.
0: Well, today, the dictionary can be seen in the Black Museum. Museum of Murder. Not a very pleasant place, but it's interesting. Yes, here lies death. The people who conceived this place must have wished to raise a memorial of death. And here, collected under one roof for the mementos of the murder from over a hundred years, is a dart, a feathered dart, made for pleasure, for laughter, friendly talent. This tiny metal tip was dipped in cyanide twist of a wrist, flick of an elbow, a dartboard missed, suspected it was scratched. It was an accident. An accident, no. Murder. Ah, here we are, the dictionary. You want the English for a French word? It is, or the French for a word in English. It's here also. Nice idea. All in one book. Great convenience. Particularly for Jules Gamache, who had a bit of trouble expressing himself to Betty Brown on the beach in southern France warm
2: sunny Je t'aime. Je t'aime. <laughs> oh, you sound so...
1: so passionate, too. What's that mean? Uh, in the little book uh, One moment. Uh, je t'aime.
0: Oui.
2: I love you. <laughs> right, you. And me, a married woman? Yeah,
0: it was. Love out of a dictionary in the summer in southern France. Of course, this was in 23, 1923. That date's important simply because radio and broadcasting were just beginning. And Jules Gamache was something of an electrical engineer. In fact, he was the only man in the little French seaside town who was able to bring music out of the air. Luc Galen. Le...
1: Oh, how you say in English? Ah, the cat's whisker. Uh-huh. So,
2: so. Maintenant, my ma chahilles, écoutez. Oh, Jules. What a really there is English in his funny rubber ear, ma'am. Huh? Why, right, Joe? Well, you are bright, aren't
1: you? <laughs> I love you. I must have you now, today, parbleu,
2: always. Oh, uh, Joe.
0: A clever Frenchman who knew his way about with women. An Englishwoman vacationing in France. Why was she there?
2: Oh, Joe. If I were a better manager, if we'd be better to be in, Look, I'd never have had the breakdown. I'd never have come to France and I'd never have met you
0: and you and your you and your mom and pet. Oh, so that was it. But all such items come to an end someday. As summer comes to an end. At least that's the correct calculation. That's the way Betty calculated. Without thinking of her jewel.
2: Jewel? We oui, must chérie. I I have to go home. We' oui. I come also. Oh, Jew! That's impossible.
0: However, the usual sighs and protestations, of course, at the brief interlude that it was a trifle saddened to let it go. After all, when a woman is crowding forties, she went home anyway to Sussex, to the binnacle inn, to security of sorts. And to her husband, L.
2: Business
1: hasn't been too bad while you were away, Bessie. All the rooms were let this week and the bar trade was fine.
2: I'd say so you did all right by the bar. The
1: landlord's got to be social, girl. Otherwise his customers go somewhere else. There's a difference,
2: Alf, between social and drunk.
1: Here, now, none of that. I take a drop now and then, but I don't get drunk. Well,
2: mm. yeah.
1: Well, another customer. Mm. This is his picking up. And on the hotel side at that. Oh. Uh, uh, how can I help you, sir? Uh, I have, uh, I'll say, uh, one moment, please. I uh, you uh, find the word. Ah, wait. Oui, I have come to step. What do you know? Uh, a froggy. Uh, Pleased to have you, Monsieur. Uh, uh, may I ask how you found this? Sir, I... Uh, I uh, well, that is... Uh, uh, Monsieur Brown... Ah, the merveilleuse Madame Brown is the recommendation for your so-select hotel. Is it not so that we have met in Provence,
2: Madame?
0: The little Frenchman must have been mad. Mad with love. But just a little touched in the head. In any case, he'd come, just as he said, stay. As he explained it to Al Brown.
1: I am, how you say, an inventor. I have much great ideas. Yes, yes sure, Gamar, sure. But uh, do you make any money? To make money? Uh, je ne comprends pas. Money? Uh, shillings? Uh, Francs? Ah oui, beaucoup d'argent. Oh, right now I wake from Canada. Much money. And uh, what do you invent to get all this beaucoup money? The wireless. I am in the wireless very much interested. Well,
0: Monsieur,
1: if you can get music out of the air, maybe you can get some money out of the same place to pay what you owe us. Huh? You've been here a month now, and we haven't seen a shilling on your board, Bill. Board Bill? Come on. Uh,
0: I... There was another conversation shortly thereafter on the same subject, if not exactly on the same polite level.
1: Look, he's He's your friend. We've got to have some money. How
2: can I ask him for money, even if he is our friend?
1: Yours, not mine. He doesn't take walks with me every (gasps) afternoon.
2: Out, Brown, are you suggesting?
1: I'm not suggesting, dearie. I'm telling you. Get some money out of him or out he goes. You're supposed to be the business head in this family. All right. Tend to
0: business here.
2: Well, you never talked to me like this
0: before. It was the first time for everything, they say. For the first time, Al was in the driver's seat, and he knew it. So did Betty know it. On one of their afternoon walks, she said as much to you.
1: You? We must hang
2: out for
1: He (laughs) will (laughs) do nothing, jamais. He's after me. Huh? To
2: get money from you. What are laughing at? I'm telling you, his uncle will be real nasty. (laughs) And he throws both out. And you without a poem. <laughs> well, it's not funny. <laughs> he holds the whip hand. Don't you understand? We uh, oui. one moment. Oh, oh, jew. Not that little book again. Oui,
1: ça fait mon petit livre. Uh, ah, ici, I have it. Like an Englishman so... Ah, one may steal his wife, but not owe to him money. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Confident, to say the least. He behaved as if he had a plan. He said to Al...
1: Never fear, mon ami. In a few days, beaucoup d'argent. You like? Oui?
0: To Betty, he said...
1: Je t'aime, ma chérie. Do not fear. All will be well.
0: A quiet, dull New Year's morning. Routine of the incontinued minus the overtired, oversleeping maid. After a while, they... Master came grumbling down the stairs.
1: Bessie! Bessie! Where are you? Oh, please. I think Mr. is done. Nice well, let him go in his room, then. Uh, pardon, monsieur. Into my where you wish for me to go, oui? Oh, and, uh, no, no, no need
2: for that. Uh, into
1: our house. Oh, so long as he's awake, I don't care, one way or another. Where's my... Oh, you you know I can't start a day without Miss Fultz. <laughs>
2: uh, I know, dear. Uh, they're where you'd expect them to be, on the mantel shelf in their regular place. Oh
1: yes, I forgot. If I may disturb you, Monsieur. Oh,
2: but of course.
1: The chair before the fire, very nice, oui? sweet. <laughs> Très charmante. When it is uh, so very cold outside. Your oh, head. Uh, Bessie, Bessie, that glass is here. Where's a tablespoon and some water? Oh, I'll get
0: them for you. Just a moment, dear. Jules yeah, Gamache we're... stood in the bay window and watched the little domestic scene. Occasionally, he riffled through his ever-present dictionary as if for a word to describe the events he was watching. Such inconsequential little events. Then he came trotting back from the kitchen with a tablespoon and a pitcher of water. She put them on the table alongside of the salt and glass. Hal measured his own dosage, poured it into the glass, then he poured it in the water almost mockingly. He raised his glass as if in a toast. To the Frenchman standing nearby, then down the contest, the glass,
1: oh both those oh, oh. salt. Tastes bitter this morning? Yeah, they are never sweet, no? Uh, Nothing sweet about them.
2: Then why complain, dear? You had more to drink than usual last night, so the salts taste more bitter than usual.
1: One hour later. Uh, Betty, Betty, get get some help. Oh, it's the cramps. Oh, Oh, I
2: can't stand it. I can't. I I saw... Oh, Joe! get the doctor. Call the cook. Do something. I, I will try. My English, it
1: is not good. Oh. No, but... I will oh, try. Oh, my, my feet. My feet, they itch. Oh, they're, they're driving me crazy. The pain, the pain, and the itching. Oh.
0: Shortly thereafter, Alfie Brown was quite dead. And so the tragedy reached its climax And playing its little part in that tragedy Was a certain dictionary Which, as I told you, can be seen today In the Black Museum the local physician, was called at once, but far too late. Alf Brown was past help. The doctor listened gravely to the story as Betty told it to him. While Jules stood by, the very picture of solicitude...
2: Oh, he went so quick, doctor. And in such agony, cramps and groans, and, and he said the strangest things. What was that, <laughs> Mrs. Brown? Well, he cried out with his feet, were a- <laughs> It was almost the last that he said.
1: Is that right, <laughs> Monsieur? Oui, Monsieur le Docteur, ça raison. <laughs> huh? Well, if you say so, it's, it's an interesting symptom, peculiar one, particular poison. Though so how this household will come by, I haven't the slightest idea.
2: Poison? But Dr. It was his sauce. Although he did complain that they tasted more bitter than usual. Anything
1: else, Mrs. Brown?
2: Uh, I th- no, no, nothing else. Oh, I'm so upset. Confused. But what poison? How? Itching
1: feet, bitter taste, great... Pain, or well, that they all point to strychnine. Uh, but of course, we won't be able to know for certain until there's been a post mortem.
2: Oh, doctor. Why? Well,
1: I, I can't sign a certificate under these circumstances. I have to notify the coroner and the police. Oh. Now, uh, I, I think our next precaution is for you to give me the bottle, the spoon, and the glass to my charge. Uh, where are they?
2: Oh, well, I, I don't quite Do uh, Do you... Uh, Mr. Gamache, do you remember? Uh,
1: je ne sais pas, madame. Je ne comprends pas. Oh, come, Mrs. Brown. Now, now pull yourself together. Uh, you want to catch the party who
0: poisoned your husband, don't you? Perhaps that was a better question than Dr. West could realize was pure rhetoric at that moment, as far as he was concerned. Of course, the widow wanted to catch the murderer. Still took a bit of concentrated prodding of Betty's memory until she said,
2: I know now, Doctor. I put them in the drawer of the kitchen table when I left Port Arthur for a moment to fetch some tea and soda. I thought it might help.
0: They found the bottle and the grass and the spoon in the kitchen table drawer. The doctor looked at them closely.
1: Someone's washed these thoroughly. There are still traces of water in the bottle and the glass. Mrs. Brown, I'm going to the police at once.
0: And Dr. Westcott went to the local police. The local police went to Scotland Yard. Betty Brown went to Jules Gamache.
2: You did it too. I don't know how, but you did it. Ma? Ma chérie, ma foi impossible. You did You killed Alfie, and you stayed right there and watched him die.
1: Betty, you are uh, most—how is it? uh, Ah, oui, you are most hysterical. You know I do not kill your Alfie. You must know this. I know.
2: I feel it in my bones. You killed him. Go away, Joe. Go away. I never want to see you again as long as I live.
0: (laughs) Sadly, as if overwhelmed by the unpredictability of women, Jules Gamache packed his things and left the binnacle inn. But he didn't go far. Just to the next village and the next inn. There he waited and watched. Waited to hear from his beloved, now widowed, his Betty. Waited for developments in a case which the coroner's jury had labeled death at the hands of person or persons unknown. The developments were not long in coming. My name is West, Mrs. Brown. Inspector West, Scotland Yard. And my credentials. Uh,
2: y- yes, sir.
1: I have a few questions, particularly concerning the disposal of the poison.
2: I'll, uh, I'll try to answer them, Inspector.
1: Do you know who washed out the bottle and glass?
2: No, I'm afraid I don't. I left them in the kitchen. We were also upset by poor Arthur's suffering. We were rather hysterical, I'm afraid.
1: I understand. No idea on that. I see. Tell me, Mrs. Brown, have you ever used any kind of weed killer in the garden of this inn? Uh,
2: no, sir. Not that I know of. Poison for rodents, rats, mice, and so on? N- no, sir. We've never been troubled by such.
1: Have you any idea who might have wanted to kill your husband, Mrs.
0: Brown?
2: No, I haven't.
0: Thank you very much,
2: Mrs. Brown. If
0: I should... The inspector left the front of the house, so to speak, and visited below stairs. He had a nice talk with the cook over a cup of tea. Mrs. Davis, did you wash out the sauce bottle?
2: No, why should I? I've got enough work. And that was New Year's Day. The maid didn't come in. I had to clean up too. Pity, not much of a New Year in this house.
1: Did you notice the
2: bottle at all? Oh, I remember saying to Mrs. Brown that there wasn't much more than a tablespoon left in it. And perhaps you'd better order another bottle in case Mr. Brown was getting mad if he had none.
1: Now, this is important, Mrs. Davis. Can you place anyone, anyone at all, in this kitchen between the time Mrs. Brown brought the bottle in here and the time Dr. Westcott took it away?
2: No one but the Frenchman, sir.
1: Mr. Gomes. I
2: seem to remember, sir. I wouldn't want to get him in no trouble unless he deserved it. But he did come in here and jabber at me. And then he used his little book. Little book? He's got a dictionary, looks up the French and finds the English. Right comical he is sometimes. I see.
1: Then he looked in his dictionary...
2: And he said, (laughs) bottle. He said something else. I didn't pay much attention. I just pointed at the kitchen drawer.
1: Did he take the bottle out of the drawer?
2: I wouldn't know, sir, for all I know. He just wanted to be sure it was in a safe place. I heard him open and close the drawer. That was all. Then he went out. Did he have a chance
1: to put it back?
2: Lots of chances. I was that busy running in and out. (sighs)
0: That's too bad. Oh, excellent tea, Mr. Davis. The inspector was never a man to accept loose ends. He ran all his leads to earth. This is the approach which brought him finally to where Jules Gamache was staying.
1: Do you accuse me, Inspector? Merely asking routine questions, Mr. Gamache. Did you have any reason to dislike or resent Mr. Brown? None. No, but of course not. Have you ever had any strickening in your possession? No, but pourquoi? Why should I? I can't say, sir. I can only try to fill in the blank spaces. Someone, you see, gave Mr. Brown the opportunity to poison himself. That kind of gift is murder, Mr. Kamesh. <laughs> more. I'm afraid I must ask you to remain in England, sir, until the case is closed. But for me, this will be a pleasure. I assure you, Inspector, I wish to see vengeance on this murderer. I loved Mr. Brown almost as a brother. <laughs>
0: There it was, a smooth, blank wall for Scotland Yard to face and search for some crack somewhere. The interest in the case emmered down. Nothing was happening. Then the newspapers picked up a lead, something so fantastic the men assigned to watch the Binnacle Inn and in its neighborhood hardly believe their own ears. It seems that Jules Gamache began to write letters. And to the police. <laughs>
1: There is one suspect who had not been questioned. A man long subject to Alfred Brown's whims and temper. The pot washer at the inn, known to me only as George. I point the finger of suspicion. Observe, gentlemen of Scotland Yard, the comings and goings of Mr. Arthur Brookfield, solicitor to Madame Brown. This man is in and out of her residence at all hours. Certainly not all of this can
0: be on business. Was jealousy entering the picture now? The letters aroused a good deal of attention once they leaked to the newspapers, as such things have a way of doing. Jules Gamache was quite pleased. When the reporters swarmed about him, the photographers took his picture. Many times, in many poses. This was fame, at last, for an impoverished inventor living on his wits.
1: Come in, sir. Are you asked to see me on the brown case? Uh, yes, sir. My name is Scott, sir. Uh, I'm the owner of a chemist's shop in Woking, Not too far from the binnacle inn, is it? Uh, just far enough to miss some of the news, but uh, this morning I saw this newspaper. Ah, uh, yes, yes, our French friend... Do you know him? Um, he was a customer of mine uh, there was a few weeks back, uh, just before Christmas. Go on, Mr. Scott. He asked for strychnine. Oh, what excuse did he give? Oh, uh, something about experiments in the wireless. He uh, kept consulting a small English-French dictionary to express himself. The wireless, yes, that's the new excuse. Although why they should think the wireless operations entail the use of poisons is beyond me... Did you sell him any? I did. I I made him sign the poison book. The name he used was Hatch. Mr. Scott, do you think you can identify this man among a dozen others? (laughs) Well, Mr. Scott? That's he, sir. The short fellow with the bright black eyes. Thank you, Mr. Monsieur le Chemiste. Bonjour, c'est un plaisir. Uh, how you say? Uh, one moment, please. Uh... It is a pleasure that we meet again. Jules Gamesh, I have a warrant for your arrest on a charge of willful murder. I must warn you that anything you may say.
0: Well, that's the story. And today, the dictionary which played its part in that story can be found in its place in the Black Museum. <laughs> Wells will be back with you in just a moment. Truly a strange, impassioned little man that Jules Gamache is half crazy, half sane. You wonder about him. And you know to add to the dilemma of his personality is one last point. While Jules was awaiting execution, he wrote another letter to Inspector West stating that shortly after the death of Al Brown, he, Jules, saw a woman whether the woman was the cook or his beloved Betty, he didn't know, secrete something behind some loose bricks in the garden wall at the Binnacle Inn. Of course, the police investigated. They found two small jugs, one with crystalline strychnine in it and the other with a solution of the same poison. Now, the question is, did Jules Gamache put those jugs there himself Or did one of the women? And if the latter, why did Gamache wait until just before his death to reveal this? Was it some odd form of gallantry? Well, I guess no one will ever know. And now until next time, till we meet in the same place and I tell you another story about the Black Museum, I remain, as always, obediently yours. This is WDCBFM Glen Ellen.